I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know, he's figuring it out. Traveler, <laughs> world traveler. Um, I I'm, know. Uh, you bouncing around. Girl, I'm trying to make that dollar. <laughs> I'm trying to get my health because of health insurance. This is adulting, ladies and gentlemen. This it is really is. Okay? And and related to our, our topic of today's pod. For real. Um, wait, so we all know that that adage, money can't buy happiness. But I, I heard like a, a spin on it that had me on the ground earlier. Okay, well, you have to share with the class. <laughs> okay, so money can't can't buy you happiness, but I'd rather cry in a Jaguar. Ah! Ah! Girl, me too. Me the fuck too. I mean, I'm going to, I mean, Jaguars are kind of ugly, but I understand the sentiment. It, Jaguars it makes are sense. ugly? Yeah, I don't know. They're like squished looking. I don't know. I want. I, I don't. I feel I like mean, I like I, a small car, but it's kind of. I don't know. But bulky. I feel like I feel like you don't hear about Jaguars and like you hear about a, B, a Beamer, a BMW. Mm-hmm. You hear about Mercedes, but you don't hear about Jaguars. That means that shit is rare. Okay, that means that means that is fancy. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you don't live in Los Angeles because it feels oh, like everybody has a Jag here. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't. Okay. <laughs> List Miss Miss Los Angeles, Los Angeles over here. Okay, wait, but um, where wait. did you? hear yeah, this so phrase I, from I, my a friend of mine I, I thought it was so clever not he didn't he completely did not make it up it's not original um it turns out that it comes from a uh the first time it was uttered was a french playwright named francois sagan um mm-hmm. so like you know we we haul haul bitch i'm right with you <laughs> i'm right with you francois um so yeah. he stole it but you know but as they say the best artists steal that's it's that so adage, true correct well because that is the adage and i steal your shit all the time do you? I do. I do. I mean, because like, listen, you're so quick. You're so, I say this in the pod all the time. You're so quick. You're so funny. You're so cute. You're so pretty. Um, but literally, the internet was a mistake is one of my favorite phrases. I don't know if that was me. I That's just, <laughs> that's the collective consciousness speaking through me. I probably, I doubt I'm the first person to say that one. Well, my other thing that, and I do not give you credit for this, but it also kills, kills is, mm. oh, I, I overstand. I didn't make that one up either. You, well, g- listen. No. Uh, look at you. <laughs> thieving Francesca over here. Just thievery. Okay. I got that. A shout out to my friend Suzanne, who you met, who was oh, my yeah. longtime mm-hmm. internet bestie, and she uh, is an acting teacher. But I steal ones from you all the time. My favorite Delon isms are moreover. <laughs> I feel like I stole that from Shakespeare, but yep. <laughs> Did you? Okay, another one is by the by. I don't but know. By the by. I don't know where, where I got that one either. I don't know. And I then I here's one that I know is Shakespeare, but I will credit to you in There's the Rub. You oh. love to, you love to say that one. 
You know, I really do. And I, I make fun of people for that phrase. Um, oh, uh, at the end of the day. Oh, my God. Ooh, I, I, do, I, do, I do that one too It much. is so overused. I feel so lazy. But I use, yeah. and there's the rub in the same way you, you use, uh, you know, at the end of the day. You know, another philosopher once said, more money, more problems. I and to that you. I say, Christopher, Biggie Smalls walking, give me the problems. I'll take them. Okay. More money, more square footage. Okay. Let's go big. Let's go wide. Let's go deep. Let's okay, okay, go I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are, we, are we still talking about real estate? Mm-hmm. Sure, that too. But, you know, your boy is tired of living in a New York City shoebox. I will say that much. Okay, but let's try to riff on some of these money can't buy you happiness, because I feel like we can we can punch this up. Money can't buy you happiness, but I've never met a sad bitch with an indoor pool. <laughs> Tell me about it. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, money can't buy you happiness, but paying my student loans off would make me content as fuck. Listen, speak that into existence. Fuck Sally Mae. Joe um, Biden who? Money can't buy you happiness, but if at first you don't succeed, bye-bye again. Yes, yes. <laughs> she's uh, a writer. <laughs> she's a writer. Money can't buy you happiness, but bitch, I'm already depressed. The only way is up, okay? Ugh, listen, that's the real truth. Money can't buy you happiness, but it could fix the housing crisis. Ooh, Hello? snaps. Snaps <laughs> to all of that. Money can't buy you happiness, but Bill Gates and Oprah and Jeff Bezos and Rihanna and Jay-Z and Elon Musk and all of them Bill Billionaire oh, cool. motherfuckers seem really, really okay though. They Listen, seem fine. A billion dollars? Who needs a billion dollars? For real. I mean, I don't need a billion dollars, but you know. But I'll I take, take it. it. <laughs> no, wait, wait. No, no, no. Uh, no listen, no. I listen. 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 <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I hate you for that. Let me fix it. Oh, my gosh. Hello and welcome back to Let Me Fix It, the podcast that says no money can't buy you love, but girls, sex work is work, too. And I'm a lonely motherfucker. <laughs> I'm DeLon Grant. I'm Francesca Ramsey. And this is Let Me Fix It, the podcast that says, hey, society, we have notes. And today we are talking about money. And you are probably thinking that's an easy fix. Just give me more of it. You are not wrong. Uh, But more specifically, we are going to talk about affluenza, this stupid idea that was thrust in the cultural consciousness a decade ago and has plagued us ever since. Um, Also, word nerd, affluenza is a portmandu, Delon. It is a blend of affluence and influenza. You better have the callback, though. It (laughs) sure is. Um, Webster's Oxford Dictionary, you and your dictionaries, if you're you're listening, (laughs) you need to start sponsoring Let Me Fix It, because we'd be over here working the English language, okay? (laughs) Just to start in on this affluenza, the first time I feel like I ever heard about it was surrounding the events of that teenager who used affluenza as a defense for drunk driving and killing like four people. That is correct. That's the first time I heard it too. That was in 2013, 16 year old Ethan couch killed four people Mm. in a drunk driving accident. And his legal defense was that his family's wealth led him to being irresponsible enough to get behind the wheel of a car drunk as if brokies don't drink and drive. Cause guess what? They do. Okay. Okay. People of all backgrounds make those bad decisions. But before he and his lawyer hired, 
hijacked the phrase, affluenza generally meant a malaise about materialism. Actually, PBS did a documentary unpacking it in the late 1990s, and there is this melodramatic scene from one of the episodes. We will put a link in the show notes if you want to watch it, where this rich lady is at the doctor's office as she is getting diagnosed with affluenza as if it's an actual disease. (laughs) There's nothing physically wrong with you. Then why do I feel so awful, so bloated and sluggish? Nothing gives me joy anymore. Not the house, the car, the clothes, the raise. Nothing. Doctor, I'm frightened. Well, do something. Can't you give me a pill? There's no pill for what's wrong with you. I'm afraid you're suffering from affluenza. Oh, my God. Why me? Is it fatal? It's catastrophic. It's the new epidemic. Well, there is a cure, isn't there? Possibly. Affluenza is a major disease. There's no question about it. And many people suffer from it, but very few people are aware that that's what they're suffering from. It's so ridiculous. (laughs) It's like beyond melodramatic. I think my favorite part of it is her saying, nothing brings me joy anymore. Mm. Not the house, the car, the clothes, the race. I feel so sluggish. Then give it away, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Girl, like there's a charity down the street. It's called the fucking, you know, the Salvation Army. Give your shit away. Hello. It It feels like like such a bad sketch. It really, really does. And what kills me is that the melodrama is they have this real doctor, quote unquote, and a real psychologist claiming that affluenza is a real affliction. affliction, And as far as I'm concerned, it is pseudoscience bullshit. 100%. And I think we have to do some unpacking of our own because it it feels like there's like two definitions, pre-Ethan Coach and post-Ethan Coach. So let's dive in and figure out what these adjacent definitions are. Affluenza. Let me fix it. So in that documentary you mentioned, Fran, the P- that PBS aired on affluenza, it defines affluenza as the unfulfilled feeling resulting from efforts to keep up with the Joneses. This is really interesting. I did not know where this phrase came from. I didn't know until we started working on this episode. I know. So the phrase originates with the 1913 comic strip, Keeping Up with the Joneses. The strip ran until 1940 in the New York world and various other newspapers. The strip depicts the social climbing McGinnis family, who struggled to keep up with their neighbors, the aforementioned Joneses of the title. The Joneses were unseen characters throughout the strip's run, often spoken about but never shown. Mm, that's a mind fuck. You trying to keep up with them, and I don't know what those bitches wow. look like. Who listen, are they? Listen, they're like this elusive thing. Capitalism, right? You yes, can't touch it. You can't the feel it. Layers. It's, there. it's a <laughs> okay. comic, but it's you know, it's a reflection of our of our need to to be better. Capitalism, yada yada and, yada. And for who? For why? You can't even see them, right? Mm. Um, the other part of this PBS definition of affluenza is they they definitely call it an epidemic of stress, overwork, and indebtedness in the pursuit of the American dream, which, I mean, capitalism, that's going to be my running thing throughout the episode. It feels yeah, that way, right? I real. definitely feel that, for real. Yeah. Um, another way they define it is, this is rubs me, um, a psychological dysfunction caused by the obsessive and competitive pursuit for more, more money, more material items, and more power. Um, 
that is America in itself, but uh, the, I, it rubs me because the psychological dysfunction is the part of it that, I mean, it's not, is it a dysfunction? I don't know. Well, I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about when this woman is at the doctor. It's like this idea that we are looking at wealth as something like, oh, poor you. This is so, so hard for you. Right. Like you, <laughs> right. you made a choice, you know, and people that have extreme wealth more oftentimes than not had to take advantage of somebody else in order to get there, Ooh, right? Like there are that. no moral billionaires. You become a billionaire <laughs> because you you cut some corners with some people. You chose not to pay some people. And or you now, have resources to on resources on resources to make more money, right? Hello, hello, hello. And there are other people who are unable to do that. So, you know, it is really interesting that that this word has taken on this life of its own, as seen with Ethan Couch. So before he used it as a legal defense, affluenza was generally accepted as a psychological disease affecting wealthy people, giving them feelings of guilt, lack of motivation, and social isolation. Basically, I'm spoiled and rich and wasn't taught the consequences of my actions. Woe is me. (laughs) I mean, listen, I have no sympathy for it. Listen, rich people are people too. I totally get that. But get a therapist. You you can afford one. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You can go to the doctor like that lady did and ask her, ask, get a pill, you know? Um, The thing that pisses me off about that, that Ethan kid, though, claiming affluenza as a defense is that it worked. He killed four people and only got 10 years probation. All right. So let's talk about this criminal. In 2013, 16 year old Ethan Couch was drunk, high and driving on a restricted license. He said, I got to do the big three (laughs) speeding through a residential neighborhood when he lost control of his vehicle and hit a group of people assisting another driver who had broken down on the side of the road. Okay. So someone's being a good Samaritan and they lost their lives over this idiot. He killed four people and injured nine others. Two people driving with him in his vehicle had serious injuries, including one of them being paralyzed from the neck down. Damn, man. I mean, and, and he, what's nuts to me is he walked away. He literally walked away okay, from the so accident with his legs. I had to look this up because it always blows my mind that drunk drivers almost always survive the crashes while killing innocent people. There is That's a reason nuts. behind this, okay? Here is an infuriating factoid, per Delon's favorite word. The <laughs> reason being that intoxicated people are limp, thus their muscles are relaxed and their reaction times are slowed. So because of this, the drunk divers do not typically tense up during an accident, which means they are creating less resistance. So like you, you literally your foot just can't press down on the brake fast it's, enough or, or turn the wheel fast It's something about enough. your body. It's, it's because you are delayed in your reaction. I think there's something about tensing up your body that makes you more likely to sustain injuries oh. while the drunk person is kind of like flopping around with the, like a fish and, and that's how they survive. That's crazy. I didn't understand that. That's nuts. So it's just like your body's just going with with, with the inertia. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you're, that's crazy, man. I know. And I not that that's going to help you if you're ever in an accident, because truly it happens so fast. But like right. now I'm going to anytime I'm in an accident, I'm just going to try and like flop. And hopefully. <laughs> just go with it. Oh, God. Just, I mean, you're I never going to be in an accident. You're not, I know, I but like just, you're never going to be in an accident. But I, yes, I don't want to put that out into the world, but it is wild. Like the universe is so fucked up in that way. Like the person who's responsible gets to I walk know. away. I know. And uh, w- w- to your point about him being 
drunk and high. Yo, his Ethan coach's alcohol level was three times the legal limit. Mm-hmm. He had stolen his dad's car. He had just stolen some beer for Walmart. If you are rich. Okay, you rich. Why are you, this is what I'm what? saying. If you have money, I mean, he was 16, so he had to steal it. But okay, but you like, know he had a credit card from his mommy and daddy. There is no reason for him to be in Walmart stealing. Okay, and or I bet you the parents had a full bar in the basement. Okay, you know you the to, type. You know, exactly. I I'm a cool mom. As you guys can drink here as long as you just put your your uh, your keys in this bowl and we're going to put Amy it in the Pola freezer. Mean Girls. <laughs> I knew that mom when I was in high school. Wait, why put it in the freezer? Because you'd put the keys in a bowl and put water in the bowl, put the bowl in the freezer, and then it would be a block of ice so you couldn't get your keys out. Can you tell I went to school with rich people Whoa, with cool I parents? Mean, <laughs> keys, keys in the bowl is crazy, but the hack of like keeping them, freezing them. So that it's a block of ice and no one can take their keys. I mean, I guess due diligence, but you know. I mean, look, it kept us from getting into trouble. And and I would think that homeboy, if he's going to claim that being rich is what got him in the situation, he don't have a driver. Yo, I mean, well, somebody, somebody. I, I also like the other thing that about this case that really is nuts is the judge. Mm. So the Honorable Gene Hudson Boyd said probation will do after killing four people, paralyzing another one like that. What? That doesn't make sense. The excuse that she gave around sentencing him is that she thought he would get better rehabilitation at an inpatient facility than, you know, at youth detention, which which is like. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get into that because that's okay. not what happened, <laughs> <laughs> right? In the end, in the end, right? Because what ended up happening is after that bullshit ass sentence, he was caught not two years later playing beer pong at a party, which was in violation of his probation. So his probation officer goes looking for him after this beer pong incident, and Ethan and his mommy flee <laughs> to Mexico to avoid going to jail. They were caught in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. His mom was charged with money laundering and preventing the capture of a fugitive. And after all of that, killing four people, paralyzing another, violating his probation, going on the run, he was only sentenced to two years in prison. He was released in 2018, only to be arrested again in 2020 for, you guessed it, violating his probation. How many chances does this rich motherfucker need to terrorize our streets and also his family. Yo. His father was accused in 2014 of falsely identifying himself as a police officer. Uh, after the police responded to a disturbance at his home, he was also accused of choking his girlfriend during a dispute. What is going what? on in what? the couch household? Okay, I, I feel like his parents should have been arrested after he killed. Uh, they people. really but clearly because clearly this is like their influence. I'm well, and especially a 16 year old driving under the influence on a suspended license the parents are at fault for that you know what oh to be rich and white in america affluenza really means you're rich and you think the law doesn't apply to you i mean i mean uh, the way i see it it really doesn't i mean especially if you're rich and famous let's talk about donald trump still out here free as a bird okay Sexually assaulting women, bragging about it, lying on his taxes, trying to steal an election, causing an insurrection. Now I'm rapping. Look what you did to me. <laughs> I only I only laugh because it's it's ridiculous. It's like, ridiculous. His rap sheet is so fucking long, and he's out here flying across the country. 
on our tax dollars now. And selling and selling merch with his mugshot on it. But here's the thing. It's not just him, right? Especially if you are a celebrity, especially if you're wealthy. Lindsay Lohan, DUI charges. Yep. Paris Hilton, DUI. Felicity mm. Hoffman, Lori Laughlin in that college admissions scandal. They really, they really thought they weren't going to, that college admissions scandal, they really thought they weren't going to get caught for that. And then it was like a slap on the wrist. I know. Like a, a month in jail or something. And then here's the thing, too. So we cannot ignore how like racial privilege plays into this. Talk about but it. But it also happens, unfortunately, to people of color, black people. Let's talk about OJ Simpson. Let's talk about Chris Brown. Your money can absolutely protect you from facing consequences in this country. And it's wild that now people are, you know, off the strength of this Ethan Couch case, able to say, it's hard being rich. It's hard for me to to obey the law. (laughs) Yeah, you make such a good point because again, resources, like you have resources to even get you the legal teams that Mm -hmm. have enough of experience and enough defense. Speak on Uh, it. You know what I mean? How many people are sitting in jail and have not even been convicted of a crime yet? They are just waiting to go to court. Because they don't have bail money. Because they don't have bail money. The fucking bail bonds thing is Uh, nuts to me. And we're still trying to reform that, but. You can kill someone and then pay a fee and be able to walk around freely while you await trial. Meanwhile, if you get caught with a little bit of weed or a little shoplifting or something of that nature. And again, it's the, you know, you have to have the complexion for protection. (laughs) Talk about it. Because, you know, the white girlies out here will be doing drugs and getting DUIs and they'll be walking out in these streets free as a bird. But let it be a poor black or brown person. I heard a girl talk about getting caught with coke by a police officer and being let go. And I was like, and and, and looked at me like, isn't that crazy? And I was like, it is fucking crazy because my black ass would be under the jail. Listen, I I had this experience like that recently where I was at a party and, and this girl was telling the hilarious story of her getting caught drunk driving and how she got out of it. And all I could think was, yeah, you're white. Like, this (laughs) is not a funny story. You should take this to your grave. You would not be able to waterboard that story out of me. I would not tell that to people as if it was a funny life antidote. Right, right. When other people are in jail for way, way, way less. Well, and it's understanding, it's it's the empathy factor for me. It's understanding that there are other people in the world that have that don't have the privilege, don't have the resources, again, that you have. One of the things I want to turn back to, that, that judge who I rolled my eyes so hard at, because talk about privilege, talk about resources and money. Nine years before she handed down that offensively lenient sentence to Ethan Couch, the same judge sentenced another 16-year-old from a poor family to 20 years in prison for killing someone with a car. So he was drunk driving, killed somebody, and she was like, oh, you get 20. Oh, you're, well, I couldn't put, possibly put this little rich white boy right. in prison. Like, what the fuck? That makes yeah, no sense. And- yeah, and here's the thing. Like, I do think there should be consequences, right? Yes, like, we're, for everybody. We're not, we're not saying, like, At he should have gotten out too, right? And and this is something that I, I'm excited for us to talk a little bit more about is because there's this idea of, like, jail is supposed to reform people but the Mm. reality is is that's not what prison does at all like well and that's not how we use it we use it as a it's punitive right and it should be somewhat punitive but if we're don't tell me it's rehabilitation it's never it's never been (laughs) you know 
No, not at all. And do not get me started on the criminal injustice of the criminal justice system in this country. But I will say, if we're going to have a debate about someone's affluence being such a hindrance in life, that they are blinded from the consequences of their actions and then shielded from accountability because of affluenza, then we damn sure better be talking about brokeluenza or poorluenza. It doesn't really walk Speak off. On it. it doesn't really roll off the tongue. But I also am trying um, pandemic, like poor Ooh. pandemic. Mm-hmm. And then I did find this. I don't like this one either. Locashism is a term coined by the 2016 HuffPost article, described it as the opposite of affluenza. Hmm. It refers to a condition in which people are trapped in a cycle of poverty and make decisions that affect their lives negatively without realizing the potential consequences. And this is so fucking real. People who are pushed to their breaking point are going to do things that potentially break the law in order to keep themselves self-sufficient. And they are always punished for it. Nobody says like, wait, why did you steal the Pampers, mama? Obviously you in dire straits. Uh, why, why did you send your kid to that school district that isn't theirs and you got arrested and went to jail for three months? I still can't Hello. get over that Hello. For, for your kid's education. But to your point, friend, there are millions of people in prison right now suffering from poor Lewinza or low cashism. I really like that definition of the Huntington Post. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the word the needs like. a little work. But it does. It does. It, but it, the, the, the essence is there. Right. But that's why drug dealers and thieves are out here slinging and stealing to to cure that shit. And you don't see the, the consequences because the potential consequences consequences don't outweigh your current reality, right? Mm -hmm. And again, we're not condoning criminal behavior here, but to your point, if we're doling out empathy and we're going to blame having too much money for causing someone's malaise and a a psychological disorder, let's talk about the psychological disorder of being poor. Those suffering from affluenza have so much guilt for having too much money that they act out. Well, the affluenza afflicted are the previously mentioned Joneses and the poor are out here trying to keep up with y'all okay listen can we start a charity for us those affected by the joneses okay. have you been jonesed <laughs> <Not a verb. laughs> wait have you been jones lately <laughs> what have the yes. joneses done to you lately <laughs> listen i need a class action lawsuit i'm skipping ahead to the fix <laughs> oh you are so dumb listen um, it's so true and i think you know we jokingly talk about being quote unquote poor and some people think that only means you can't eat. You don't have a place to live. Uh. Um, But the reality is there is diversity in being poor. There are people who might not be homeless, but they live in a food desert. Uh There are people who, you know, work a full-time job, but still not can't pay, can't pay rent or are choosing not to eat. So their child can eat, you know, and and are struggling to find affordable housing and are living paycheck to paycheck. Those people are still qualified as poor. And the shame around those things, you know, I grew up poor and on welfare. I mean, I'm talking like food stamps and all. Uh, you Wait, you remember that Bone Thugs in Harmony song? Wake up, wake up. That was my youth. And now I know that like that, that the shame around it is completely misplaced. But that was my life. And, and that the shame was immense. 
I want to pivot and ask you because now we're both living middle class lives, but you grew up fairly middle class adjacent to like not rich, but like the wealthy. Oh, yeah. So I grew up very middle class, but my parents as an only child, I'm so thankful that my parents were able to stretch a dollar to give me experiences that I don't think they could have given me if I had had siblings. Um, But it really wasn't until I got to high school because I went to a private Catholic school. Um, and everybody was kind of like around the same financial background. But when I got to high school, I went to a performing arts high school where you had to audition to get in. And a lot of wealthy people sent their kids there because it was free. And they were like, I can get a good education for my kid without paying private school prices. And I went to school with some kids who had, I'm talking indoor movie theaters, indoor tennis court, um, Yes, an indoor tennis court. See, this is court. how rich people stay rich because they find loopholes. They're like, I'm they going to free school they, and keep my money. Well, I remember, I remember a classmate of mine wrecking his car on the way to school, and his parents bringing another car to school on a flatbed truck and delivering it for him no. in the parking. I swear to God, I, we were. It was it was bizarre, and then. Wow. There was also a huge scandal at my school because our principal was also very wealthy, lived on Palm Beach. As you may know, Palm Beach is where Mar-a-Lago is, Uh Donald Trump, Worth Avenue. I mean, just super, super rich. Worth Avenue. (laughs) Yes. And I'm west of Palm Beach. So don't get it twisted. Okay. Okay, I can see Palm Beach, but I'm not from there. Okay. They are literally on the other side of the Palm Beach. (laughs) I'm doing the Kamala Harris rave. I see you over there. Okay. So our principal also lived in Palm Beach and another student's parents were going out of town and asked her to house it. Okay. This immediately conflict of interest. Why is our principal house sitting for a student? A student who was a bad student and had a huge party while she was house sitting. People were drinking at this house. I mean, having the time of their lives. And she ended up losing her job over this. And he stayed at the school. He was such a bad student, was always getting into shit. And once again, it was that wealth, his whiteness, but also his parents' wealth Mm. that protected him. Last one, I'll tell you, there was Mm -hmm. a girl at our school, very wealthy, who um, we were, I guess people were playing pranks on our health teacher and she put a stink bomb in the teacher's mug and drank it and it was like a whole thing. And instead of getting suspended the next year, we had a new wing on the school with her last name on it. Shut so, the fucking <laughs> door right We had now. a new, our school had been under construction <laughs> and then suddenly it was like, and now it's finished. <laughs> there's a brand new, there's a brand new theater. There's wow. a brand new theater with that bitch's last name on it. She should have been expelled and she was not and that's crazy man that's i mean i will say when i was younger i i wasn't jealous but i did think like wow so so many of my friends have cool parents quote unquote Mm. often wealthy parents who like that amy poehler mean girls character Mm. are trying to be their kid's friend more than their parent i just want you to know if you need anything don't be shy okay there are no rules in this house i'm not like a regular mom i'm a cool mom (laughs) right regina Please stop talking. And I will say now as an adult, many of those kids that had cool parents have struggled to really figure out what they want to do in life. And I, and I, 
I surmise it comes from having so much privilege that they don't have like that drive, that hunger. Everything's been given to you. You don't even have to work hard for anything. Um, And so in that respect, maybe affluenza is real. Well, you know, listen, let's let's assume that it is real because we're talking about it. But I do think when you give the doctor, the psychologist, when we give validity to it by saying it's a defense against the thing, uh, you know, in in terms of the law, that's where you lose me. Because where's accountability otherwise? Right. right? You can do anything and say, oh, God, I had so much money growing up and my parents weren't around. Well, listen, I I didn't grow up with a dad. So what if I go, you know what I mean? Like, right. You don't get to use that as a defense. And it's not like uh, the trauma Olympics or whatever. It's not tit for tat. It's not about what it, what about ism, but it's like looking at it logically, objectively and saying, really, mm-hmm. no, you killed four people, Ethan Couch, right? You have to go to prison because if we're using it as a punitive thing, if we're for everyone, we have to apply it across the board. Otherwise, give Boo Boo, who, you know, had that weed bag 20 years ago probation. Yeah, I, exactly. Because I'm sure that that person has a legitimate list of of circumstances that led them to that moment where they ended up buying drugs, selling drugs, whatnot. Did you see the tips for beating affluenza uh, in the research for this episode? I put them in the doc. Yes, I did. On the PPS website, I did. Yeah, yeah. We have to talk about these because while they're not bad tips, (laughs) I will say, the cynic in me cannot help but look at them with a side eye because it's you. like tips for beating affluenza mama <laughs> like, let's just, just be go to the, better just maybe you don't need to be a bajillionaire let's start there and or like do something for somebody else think mm. beyond yourself you hello? know hello so the first one says before you buy ask yourself do i need it do i want to Dust, dry clean, or otherwise maintain it. This is so. You are you are not dry cleaning your own we, shit if you have. No, you like ab- and absolutely you're wearing it one time and throwing okay. it in the bin. <laughs> Could I borrow it from a friend, a neighbor, or a family member? Oh, it's not the same when you borrow someone else's boat. Um, <laughs> Is there anything I already own that I could substitute for? Are there resources that went into renewable or non-renewable? How many hours will I have to work to pay for it? Come on. Before you do this, you may find it hourly to figure out your real hourly wage. Take your, not them talking to rich people like they are children. Like holding your hand, telling you how, like calculate how much, how much you might've worked for it if you had to work for it. Take your annual net income and subtract your work related costs like clothing, transportation, childcare, parking, and lunches out. I'm sorry, no, no. rich person is going to do this. No, not at all. No. Uh, number two is uh, avoiding the mall. <laughs> Avoid the mall. Go hiking and play ball with the kids instead. I'm so, who... <laughs> First, First of, all, of all, rich people have personal shoppers and stylists. Thank you. Thank they you. are and not going to the mall with the brokies like I, us. I, you know, you carry Washington at the mall. No, sorry. No. I, also, I'm I'm not avoiding the mall. I'm not rich, but I'm not avoiding the mall because the mall is where I get joy. Consumerism, I'm a capitalist at art. I mean, look, I got, I would say the mall is a let me fix it episode because the mall is Ooh, dying. The, the mall, mall, she did. The mall she is did. dead. <laughs> Amazon killed the mall. Amazon it, it killed the mall. truly did. People are not going to brick and mortar stores the way that they used to. Um, another one on this list is figure out what public transportation can save you time. I, look, again, I again, I believe that these are good 
solid tips for being smart about your finances. Yes. But someone who has the potential to claim affluenza has a level of wealth that is so high. Right. There is no way they are going to take public public transit. They can't even say the word public transit without rent. They're like, (laughs) (laughs) literally, I mean, I am somebody who has to take public transportation because I live in New York City and I don't even want to take public transportation. Seriously. But also for all of MTA's flaws, the New York public transit is relatively easy to use. Like here in Los Angeles, we don't have public transit like that. We do have buses, but they come so infrequently. And Los Angeles is so spread out Mm -hmm. that it will take you more time to find the appropriate bus stop and then do all the transfers and all of that to get to where you're going to take like two hours to get where you're going. Traffic here is bad enough as it is, you know? So it's like making public transit accessible and, and usable is the first thing. Right. But for somebody who's ultra wealthy and doesn't want to freaking rub shoulders with the normies. Also, if you're if you have money, your car is a status symbol. Right. Right. Like, I guess I would I would rephrase this and say, get rid of two of your cars. Right. Do you need a private jet? Thank you. Do you need a helicopter? You can fly in first class. Which also costs thousands of dollars. Right. I mean, like, let's be real. It still costs money. But like, even when we're talking about freaking climate change, which is a whole nother topic, but like the amount of people who are taking up a private jet for one person to fly in one person or even just doing a flight that's like a 20, 30 minute flight, get in a car. Absolutely. Have your driver take you there. Ridiculous. I knew a guy, I went on a date with a guy who ordered an Uber from New York City to Connecticut. I said, what? And back, I mean, can you imagine for that Uber driver? Take your ass on the Amtrak. The quiet car is wonderful. Thank you. Take it. um, What's the the Acela? You get a whole seat, buy both seats next to you so you don't have somebody next to you. An Uber all the way from New York Connecticut. Anyway, back to this list because they get more ridiculous. This is number four. Become an advertising critic. Don't be sucked in by efforts to make you feel inadequate so you'll buy more stuff you don't need. Uh, I mean, look, yes. 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 And that that is one that I need to personally ingest because right now my finances are not where they used to be. But the Instagram ads will get me every time. I dream (laughs) about having them. Right. I watch the Instagram ad. I'll go to your website. I mean, usually it's like something that looks like it's like two hundred dollars and ends up being 30. And, you know, don't buy that anyway. Don't buy it. Don't. It's not going to be the photo at all. But about being an advertising critic, that assumes that like you can actually control what ads you're seeing, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm on Instagram, if I'm in the world, if I'm watching TV, I can't control what ads I'm seeing. And it requires like a, a, um, a divorcing from the indoctrination of right. what we, how we consume TV, how we consume media. Um, I guess be a critic, but, you know, people got to buy shit. And, and, if, and if I'm going to buy toilet paper and you tell me that bounce is better you know, I'm a good right. bounce from I'm my a pa- I am a sucker for good branding and good packaging. I will absolutely buy something because I'm like, ooh, look at this cute little logo. Like that's right. that's, that's how people I, buy wine. That's how you buy wine, isn't it? it? It totally is. I'm like, oh my god, there's a line drawing of a dog holding a balloon. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I this is not. You should sponsor us, Black Girl Magic. But I buy this Black Girl Magic wine and give it to yes. people as gifts when I go to the house, just because it says Black Girl Magic on it. So yes, and that I haven't bold tasted the wine. Rose font. It's it's mm-hmm. gorgeous. It's so well cute. done. But to your point, 
people, again, who have tons of money are not probably buying designer items and things because of an advertisement. They are buying the brand name, right? Like cachet that comes along with having, what is that freaking the Birkin bag and like being on a list and all of that stuff. Like an advertisement is not making them buy those things. They're seeing their peers or other celebrities have it and that's why they want it. And there's the exclusive status, the exclusivity of it all. Mm-hmm. Okay, we also have on here volunteer for a school or community group. Again, I agree. I, I like that one. This one, I'll give. I'll give them all the cookies for this one. Absolutely. That, I that do is- think that that one would curb people from. And it's it's that that shitty thing of like remembering that there are people in this world who would be very happy to have a a fraction of what you have. And it's sad that that's what it takes because people just don't have basic empathy and common sense. But I'm all for giving back. And you know I love to tell rich people to spend money. So, like, (laughs) write a check. I I guess, like, this is, like, the way to, you know, tips for combating affluenza. It is the idea that, like, you don't see beyond your own circle. You can't see beyond your nose. You can't see beyond the money. So, look. And it's it's so so fucked up. It's like, go see a hungry kid, right? Right. You see that commercial about the abused dogs or, like, the starving kids in some country. Go look at that and see that not everybody has that. And that gives you some perspective. To your point it's very fucked up that you have that to that you'd even need that but it's like it could be a potential net positive number six is splurge consciously a few luxuries can be a delight and they don't have to be expensive true i mean true. they're not wrong they're not wrong what was the, what was, i i agree what was with the that last one. expensive thing that you bought Ooh, beyonce tickets oh and I went same twice. <laughs> <laughs> gave her all of your money Okay, so we've got a few more tips for avoiding affluenza. Number seven, stay in, have a potluck, play a game, bake bread, write a letter, cuddle a loved one. Depression. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, again, I I don't disagree. And this is one that I've been really good about lately is like not really eating have. out, not eating out as much and like saying like, Let's come hang out at my place. Let's chill by the pool. Let's go on a hike. Let's do things where we don't have to spend money. Um, But again, the framing of this list does not feel like it's not speaking in like rich people language. Do you know what I yes. mean? This is like, to your point earlier, this is just common sense things to, right. to watch your budget. And um, no rich person is going to watch that documentary and be like, you know what? I need to do more. Let me go on the PBS website. <laughs> right. Speaking of watching your budget, number eight is make a budget. Know how much money you are earning and spending. Each dollar represents precious time in your life that you worked. Are you spending money in ways that fulfill you? Uh, probably because, you know, yeah. you're buy- there's that 20 minute rule. Like you buy something and you only get like the euphoria of buying it for the first 20 minutes. Have you oh, heard that? No, I've oh, yeah, never heard theory. that. There's like, I think it's up to like $75,000 and they say after is it, it's either 75,000 or seven, uh, 7,500 after that benchmark, you don't get any additional joy from buying anything. I believe it's, it. Right. I believe it. And that and I would even say with this make a budget thing, if you are somebody who is wealthy enough that your wealth is keeping you from having basic empathy and common sense, mm. having a budget and seeing how much you spend every month is not going to impact you. Right. You're just like, OK, great. I spent that much. The money's going to keep coming in. The people who budget are folks who 
don't know where their next paycheck is coming from, are worried about being able to make their bills every month. So like you're asking somebody who has an unlimited amount of money to care about their fine and and real talk a lot of people that have a lot of money have someone managing that's what i was just gonna say they have somebody doing that i have an accountant right right i mean i do have an accountant but i don't have money like that i mean like they have an accountant (laughs) right but they have somebody who is like taking care of you know what stocks they're buying and things like that and like paying their mortgage portfolio a portfolio i don't even know what a portfolio is but they have one i I thought it was something for your legal path that you put in (laughs) (laughs) i thought it was a trapper keeper totally no it's not it's i think it's like stocks and bonds yeah yeah it's like what all of the things all where you put your money is that isn't actually like you know um liquid cash Mm-hmm. All right. And the last one, number nine, pretend the Joneses are the thriftiest, least wasteful people on the block, then try to keep up with them. PBS. But they are the Joneses. <laughs> we, they You're are talking the Joneses. to the Joneses. <laughs> okay. You missed it. You missed it, PBS. I'm uh, really disappointed in them. I know. And I like give them money. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back for the fix. Probation's not enough. 
you're still no. out here roaming these streets while four people are dead and one person is paralyzed from the and neck down. And violating the probation. Who's over paying? And over. Who's paying that person's medical bills? The hospital. Who's bills. making sure that they have a ramp to get into their home because right. now they're in a fucking wheelchair because of you? Right. You should be paying for that. Absolutely. And those people who lost a, a mother, a daughter, right. a, a father, right? No they, amount like, of money is going to bring them back. That, and that's the punitive thing that I'm interested in. Yeah. Right. Take the exactly. money away. I exactly. Love So another thing that I think that I've talked about before, but I think really applies here. Have you ever seen that show Undercover Boss? Um, I feel like I vaguely remember it, but I don't remind me. It's one of those reality shows where the boss of a company goes in disguise and does Uh, one of the jobs at the company. I think a mandatory undercover boss type program should be available as soon as you reach a certain income bracket. So if you make X amount of dollars, you need to go do the lowest job at the company that you own or you're the CEO for. And you should see what it's fucking like to actually do the job that is putting money in your pocket. And that is uh, especially uh, relevant with the strikes. I see these studio bosses making all these choices and these decisions. Do y'all know what the job actually entails? Do you know what it's like to live on the salary of Mm. the lowest person working for your business? I think everybody should have to, I I think regardless of how much money you make, but once you hit a certain threshold, I think that that would be really helpful. I I agree with that. And I I would also add like that, that there's like, there's a substantive amount of time where you have to work that job. It's not like a one day thing No, because there was, I was um, recently doing this research on uh, Cabrini Green, which is the housing project in Chicago that got shut down. The mayor at the time, I forget her name. She went to go live in this really crime ridden housing project where obviously a lot of black and Brown people lived and she, it was a publicity stunt. She's like, mm-hmm. Oh no, I'm going to go show you that people can live there. Right. And she went there and she lived there. I think for, it was like 13 days or so maybe like two weeks. And the, the crime shot down because she had all of the police around her protecting her. Right. And then she was like, see, I can do it. <laughs> what the, what are you talking? Like, so it has no. to be a substantive amount of time. Like spend six months in mm-hmm. that housing project, spend six months working at full prosthesis. Baby. You need you like a, a nose, <laughs> you need a sew in. I don't want to recognize you while Not you're so it. Yes, you need that's the mayor. People knew she was the mayor when she I was know, uh, when totally. she wasn't actually yes. undercover. And she was a white lady around all these black people, okay. like obviously. Exactly, exactly. And then my last my last pitch is also based on a reality show. Uh something like the show Wife Swap, or mm. almost like a foreign exchange type program for wealthy kids. I think, you know, when you're an adult, there is not that you can't learn or be reprogrammed or change your perspective, but so much is already ingrained in you. Mm. And I think that when you're a child, there's still a a level of empathy and hope hope that hasn't been kind of like beaten out of you by like (laughs) the world. And so giving young people an opportunity similar to that undercover boss type of thing where they get to walk in somebody else's shoes and see what it's like to live in a different economic background Mm. or be from another country, so to speak. I think that that would be really helpful because, again, we need to start with the youth so that they Mm. don't grow into people who then take their, their wealth for granted. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's so funny. I didn't, I didn't, um, 
like look at your fix before mm -hmm. this. And so it's so interesting because mine is like uh, on par with your last one. Yeah? It's kind okay. of like a little bit of a spin on it. My fix for influenza is like a little controversial. So I'm just okay. going to, it's a little political. It's, I just want to like give you the softer, lighter Oprah Winfrey version before okay. I go dive um, in. I didn't uh, look at yours either. So I'm, okay. I'm ready. So it, it's along the lines of, of what, whatever number that was in the PBS uh, tips for curing affluenza list is just be of service, you know? And that's kind of like what we're talking about now. You want to cure the never-ending quest for more. Find a way to serve your community or a community, right? Think beyond yourself, beyond your needs, um, and, you know, call yourself out. I, I, I call myself out right now. I don't do enough. I don't do enough mm -hmm. for my community, but I'm part of communities, um, and I, I feel like I give money where I can, but I don't get my hand in there, you know, and I think that's something that that's what I'm talking about. Find a way to look people in the eye, go to go to a food bank, um, go to a work at a homeless shelter, volunteer your time. OK, so now that that's the, the lighter. Oh, version, my God. OK. Now my controversial fix for affluenza is mandatory, unavoidable conscription. OK. <laughs> and I'm not talking about like I'm talking about like in the Peace Corps. Right. Okay. Very akin to what you were saying. I'm not out here, you know saying that we have to join the armed services, but I'm saying take young people, like you said, and make them do a, a t required two years of service after high school. So it, it would be like that. a 13th and 14th year of school. Um, it's almost like a betterment internship. You can be at a local organization. You can go in the armed forces if you'd like to, but also you can work in government. You can work in a transportation organization. You could work at a daycare, you know, yeah. but it's just about... And, and I'm saying across the board, not only affluent people, all of us should have to do two years of service. Listen, you're right. This is a controversial pitch, but I really like it because, again, I think we've lost. This is one of the things I think about with the pandemic all the time is it was hard to convince people to wear masks because they were I like, mean, I don't want to do anything to help anybody else. People don't care about each other in this country. Other people. No, it's ridiculous. And, well, and I mean, the other thing is like I, I, I talk about capitalism a lot and I joke about being a capitalist and I very much am. But it's we don't have a human part of capitalism. There's no like moral human center. Somebody always has to be at the bottom. And mm -hmm. I feel like if we are all to your point, if we're all working on the same level for a, a period of time. We're looking at e people in the face. We're helping each other. You build that empathy that we're, we've lost, you know? Yeah. I love the idea of just encouraging people to care about their neighbors and care yeah. about those in different circumstances than they are in a, in a holistic, tangible way, yeah. not just like a, you know, their kids starving in that country, make sure you eat your, your vegetables. Like, uh -huh. no, let's actually work with people who are in need to your point, be of service to others. Right. Um, because it doesn't just help other people it enriches yourself as well. And I think that at its core, that's what we're getting at with this affluenza thing, this idea that you are so far removed from the normal issues of the day right. that you're out here doing things that are harming yourself and harming other people. Well, and I don't I don't believe in altruism in and of itself. Because I do think when you give, when you do, you get just as much. Maybe mm -hmm. you don't realize it. But when I, you know, you're a great gift giver. Whenever you give me a gift, I know like you, the, oh. the look on my face. and like, I, get, I get off on it. Are you kidding me? It's a me? high. It's I'm a like, high. let me, I have to excuse myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a high. And so I think that uh, give, give your money away, but also look somebody in the face and again, go to a food bank and give, provide it to them because you get just as much out of it, I think. 
Oh, I love that. So it's now time for everyone's favorite segment, The Glow Up, where we give props to those who've turned themselves around without our help. Delon, why don't you go first? Okay, my glow up this week goes to Lauren Hill. She is notorious for being hours late to perform in her concerts. I mean, hours late. Uh, But she's going back on tour with the Fugees, and I'm intrigued. So uh, Lauren Hill recently announced the 25th anniversary tour to celebrate the miseducation of Lauren Hill with a global 17-date tour that will also include the Fugees, members and they're going across the United States and Canada mm-hmm. and I really want to go. I think it's safe to say that you know we fell in love with Lauren Hill after she starred in Sister Act 2 back in the habit. Um, she was arguably the breakout star from the film but she followed that up with a, two albums with the Fugees and we all know her iconic cover of their iconic cover I should say of Killing Me Softly. If you were a kid growing up in the 90s or the early aughts, you know that entire bridge riff. Friend, I want us to do it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening like these are singers. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, she she was the breakout star with the Fugees, and, and then she went solo. Uh, we have to do a Let Me Fix It on that, because oh, I, I still can't believe to. this woman had one album clearly yeah. 25 years ago. Well, she did, and, and she did have the Unplugged album, but it was... It was oh, girl, the voice was rough. It was odd. It was very strange. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, my, my glow up goes to, goes to Lauryn Hill because I was a huge fan. Miseducation of Lauryn Hill is still one of my favorite albums. We were in eighth grade when the Miseducation came out. Ooh, so life changing album. Okay. We're old. Um, but I, I can't believe she only had one. I hope there's no new music coming out because I'm a stan and I'm here for it. Yeah, I, I I hope she's able to make these dates. I, I, oh. I, look, I'm just going to be I'm just going to be I know, honest. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're because right. let me tell you, I wrote for Black Girls Rock and we had Lauren Hill perform. <gasps> That's right. And we gave her a different time so that we would make sure she showed up. And then we filmed her rehearsal just in case she missed the live show and we could cut to the rehearsal. I mean, and it was, it was a real thing. Everybody was like, we know she might not show up. And I saw her at Afropunk and she was late at Afropunk. Wow. She just, I don't know what it is. (laughs) I will say my, my friend Dustin had a really funny, a funny joke that she was putting out a greatest hits album and he was like, the album doesn't start till track five. <laughs> <laughs> well, she did say, she went to some concert. She she was like two hours late. This is when it all started. One of the first concerts she was late to. And uh, she was like, I had to get my energies aligned. Girl, Girl. Uh, my energies aren't aligned. My energy is dead because you didn't you show up. You are being paid to be here. This is not for funsies. I right? don't understand. You literally have one job. Show up and sing. So I'm happy that she's going to go back on tour. She is iconic. That album deserves to be celebrated every day. 25 years is wild to me. Crazy. Crazy. Lauren, if you're listening, set the alarm earlier <gasps> than you think you need to. Check the Google Maps. You could do an arrive by time. It tells you what time you you need to leave. You can pre-schedule the Uber Black. Uh, uh, You can the day before. You really can. can. Um, And I am claiming that for her. If you end up going, you know. I will let you know. I mean, 
we should go together. We should go together and just have like a let me fix it field trip and see what happens. Oh my God. Let me fix a field trip. I, I love this for us. Let's do it. Right. Um, so my glow up this week goes to Brussels sprouts. Oh, growing up. They were seen as stinky and disgusting. Uh, but in the last decade, they've really had this glow up and deservedly. So I did my research and found out that the glow up is a scientific glow up. This is not oh. just in our minds. Okay. Really? So the Brussels sprouts that we grew up with had a very bitter taste and stunk when you cooked them. But in the 1990s, a Dutch scientist named Hans von Dorn figured out what chemical was making Brussels sprouts taste so bitter. And then he started looking for different varieties that didn't have that same chemical. And then him and a bunch of scientists spent years mixing and matching and cross pollinating these Brussels sprouts to come up with the ones that we now know. Wow. So we are eating biracial Brussels sprouts. Oh, shut up. I we are eating so mixed much. greens. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. So after they came up with this new tasty Brussels sprout, word spread, professional chefs around the world started picking up on them more in the U.S. than Europe, because in, in, in Europe, everyone was like, no, you not changing our minds about Brussels sprouts. People would not, pe they would put them on the menu and people would not order them. But really? people, they were just convinced that they were going to be disgusting. But once uh, the word got out about the least favorite vegetable from childhood tasting a little bit differently, a lot of big name chefs and five-star restaurants started incorporating them and cooking with them again. And now the demand for them is booming. Farmers are getting four to five times more money than they did a decade ago for Brussels sprouts. Listen, Isn't that amazing? Uh, uh, those it's it's insane. I didn't know. Uh, I mean, science. God, God love. Science. I didn't know either. I was literally but, just like, I like Brussels sprouts now. And then I did a Google search and found this NPR article that said, "From culinary dud to stud, how a Dutch plant breeders built our Brussels from sprouts boom." Like, what? I need to do that shit with okra because I know y'all love some <laughs> fried okra out here, but I that shit is nasty. I, don't I like, like fried okra. Uh, you don't like no, it? No, I know they're gonna take my black card away. No, I don't like. <laughs> I don't fried okra. I don't like fish either. So fried okra and catfish is just like not my thing. Yeah, um, and fried okra is kind of like slimy. It's well, the slimy. inside slimy, yeah. and they're like they're like just put some ketchup on it. And I'm like, girl, no. <laughs> I I will say those European chefs, all they had to do was put some maple bacon on those Brussels sprouts, and people would tear it up. I mean, I here's the thing. I definitely remember Brussels sprouts of my childhood stinking too high heavens. And so I don't know that maple bacon would have changed it. They really were in here mixing and matching and doing a little, you know, test tube babying on the sprouts. <laughs> no, I mean like, you know, when the when the Europeans wouldn't eat it, if those oh. chefs had just put like it's it's a, a maple bacon on there, bacon makes everything taste good. Give it's it to true. me. It's true. And you know about me. I love a sweet and a meat. Uh, Give me that maple and, bacon. Uh, me. Okay. Well, well friends. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, friends, that is our show. And now we want to hear from you. Do you think affluenza is pseudoscience or do you think it is a legitimate thing and thus makes for a good legal defense? Or maybe you want to suggest a TV show, a celebrity or a brand that you think we should fix in a future episode. Please hit us up on Instagram at FixItPod. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Francesca. <laughs> I'm Delon. And, and this, this was, was Let Me, let me fix, fix It. Fix it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.